choose your advice. Uh, do your due diligence when it comes to advice. I mean, due diligence can be applied to everything. It can be applied to uh, every aspect of your business. But when it comes to advice, that's where it's more and more important. everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I am your host, uh, Devin Miller, the uh, serial entrepreneur that's also the uh, founder and managing partner of Miller IP Law, where we help uh, startups and small businesses with patents and trademarks. And um, today for The Inventive Journey, as always, we're going to talk through the, uh, a great journey of uh, someone that uh, created and founded a fun and unique company. Name is Ignacio, and uh, he is... Uh, He's, uh, as, I guess, a bit of a, an entre- or a serial entrepreneur, done a few things, and went to uh, really wanted to focus on reducing a little bit of the carbon footprint as well as uh, making what uh, all of us use is on the uh, paper front of greeting cards and thank you cards and take that into a much better digital age. So welcome on to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Devin. Thank you for having me on. So you're... Absolutely welcome. Thank you for coming on. So maybe with that, I did a bit of an intro, but uh, I'll turn it over to you to do a much better intro than I can ever do. So uh, maybe introduce a little bit about your journey and where things got started and what brought you up till today. Sure. Uh, well, the journey started um, thousand miles away from here. I'm a natural um, uh, citizen of Spain, and uh, and I was born there. You know, raised there until I was about thirty, um, and then um, you know I've been an insurance company working my way up in in uh, in food distribution and manufacturing and one of the companies I worked for sent me here to the states uh, to do something it was supposed to be like a six month project uh, that has become a 20 something years already uh, in this <laughs> country a little bit longer than a short uh, short yeah six months. yeah <laughs> and so yeah I um uh, I, I studied my MBA here, and uh, and after that, uh, the uh, the government of Spain, uh, in the year 2000, uh, just you know uh, hired me to work for the Commerce Department, mm. um, and I stayed there working uh, in Florida, in Miami, um, but really um, taking care of the of the industries of Spain for the entire United States. So um, yeah, I I. Um, Started working with uh, everything from publishing to uh, media, uh, television, uh, movies, education, everything that had to do with the service sector industries. Um, back then, it was you know the two thousands, so everybody was happy, money was flowing, and and the digital transformation was taking place. And so you know I had the the great opportunity of. Uh, being in the in the in the best country for that, right? So um, I started seeing that transformation taking place in in uh, in all these industries, mm. and got a, a a lot of sense about you know the needs and the uh, and the uh, uh, and the and the the offer that was out there for uh, for every single of these of these industries, uh, working with the Spanish companies that wanted to come here. That wanted to do something uh, and started to export because you know you remember in 2008 it was you know the whole explosion and then budgets got constrained uh, and everybody from the digital transition became a, a digital need for a lot of companies and so um, a lot of Spanish companies decided to try to export 
uh, and so they they used to come to the uh, uh, you know to the to the office to the uh, to the Commerce Department um, office in Miami and and explain their projects. Um, I, I was lucky enough to be able to travel a lot through the United States to you know congresses, uh, uh, conferences, con uh, uh, trade shows, and things like that. And so um, you know. I, I was I was very much in tune with the uh, with the American consumer by then, um, and so yeah, I started you know studying all these industries from the inside, giving advice and uh, to Spanish companies that wanted to establish themselves here, and and about that time I was a very late adopter myself of technology. You know, I I don't even I don't even remember if I had a Facebook account by then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I still have my BlackBerry. I'm so happy with my BlackBerry. And everybody was like, there's a thing called the iPhone. And I was like, what? And so, you know. I'm, I was, I'm a Samsung guy. I like Andrew. But I didn't even know that uh, Blackberries were still around. I thought they would bankrupt. So that's news to me. Back then, you know, it was a thing. I mean, again, I was I was still hooked up to my to my BlackBerry. And, and I was, I used to fly, you know, I was looking both sides, you know, and, and everybody had, you know, iPhones and, and, and Android phones. And I was like, who, who the hell is going to use that? And uh, and uh, and so yeah, I was a late adopter, but you know, slowly but surely, I became aware of of you know the, the, the major shift of of many of these companies. You know, and we're talking about 2008, so there was uh, there was a crazy company called Netflix who wanted to to the poor subs wanted to to bankrupt and do something against against uh, uh, um, I don't even remember the name. Yeah, blockbuster, and and so you know all these things started taking place, and I started to pay attention all this uh, and all these things, and and seeing the disruption from the inside, and seeing the disruption uh, of many well-established companies uh, mm. by by just common sense, right? Mm. By just you know applying technology in a sense that or in a way that was fit to the needs of that time, and so yeah, that's pretty much what I was doing there. Um, uh, you know, my 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 daughter was born in in 2008 too. Mm. Uh, she was an Obama kid, not literally, but uh, uh, we started going to parties and we started to go into birthday parties and and start celebrating stuff. And so, I remember at that time there was this printing company from Spain who landed at the office and they they was they were making high-end greeting cards, you know, like the fanciest stuff, um, you know, five bucks up. Um, and they were like, yeah, because we do that and we wanted to export, you know, greeting cards to the U.S. And I was like, and I had no idea about about this, this industry or what they do or, you know, the type of money that, that, that they, you know, that, that they make. And so, you know, as, as I always do, I do my research uh, and I went to the numbers and, um, and I was surprised. I was surprised about how much uh, is a $20 billion industry, um, you know, very high concentration. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and then I started to look at the, at the you know, um, at the carbon footprint that they have. And, and, and I'm a, you know, a nature lover and, and a person of the uh, outdoors. Before we jump in all your, all your stuff, which I think is very interesting. So when you got into looking at 
So I guess a couple of questions. What did, what makes a high ingredient card? And I, I probably the opposite end. If I usually go and see which one is the cheapest one that has the right <laughs> message on it, I buy that. So what is a high ingredient card, or what makes up a better greeting card? Well, it was just it was just the material. It was just the fact that they had uh, you know a high end paper like a like a a much you know thicker paper with a lot of graphics and a lot of design. And these are you know for like weddings and and and, and, and um, baby showers, things that are, you know, very, you know, it's not like a, like a typical birthday party or, or birthday, but they were much more in the high end. So that's what, you know, these people were making. And there's still companies, especially in Asia, some, some others in India who are specializing, in the States too, who are specializing in that type of card. Yeah. So how many, just one other question, I didn't mean to hijack your journey, and we'll certainly get back to that, but just curious. Um, because I never really thought, I use greeting cards and, you know, birthday cards and thank you cards, but I never really thought much about them. So is there, a, is it a pretty competitive marketplace? Is there a lot of players in there? I know Hallmark is one that I always see, but that's the only one I probably can even think of. But is there a lot of players or a few players? Is it pretty centralized or how does that work? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very concentrated industry. There are like three or four major players uh, here in the States is, uh, of course, you, you name them Hallmark, American Greetings, which was, you know, UK Greetings. And there are another uh, uh, two or three major players in Europe and, and some in Asia. Uh, so there are local players for, for obvious reasons, you know, the uh, green cards don't, don't maintain value if you export them unless you do it in massive quantities uh, mm -hmm. because local, you know, local manufacturing is much more cheaper in other places. So, um so yeah, those are those are the major players. You said them, you, you, and, and then there's a lot of minor specialized players who are now uh, trying to make a, an inroad in the industry, which is more about you know handmade designs, something especially for you, uh, which are some people who are also calling us mm. and and are offering us their designs to to put on 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 a wish you. So you know we're we're starting to to think about those ideas too. Yeah. Okay. No, sorry. So go ahead. So you have all these major players. You've now kind of had first heyday of industry and then things start to get kind of pulled back as you get into, you know, what is now 2008, 2009 and the housing market's crashing and money's getting tighter. And with all of that, you decided it was a perfect time to start your own business, right? Yeah, with all that, you know, we started to get a, a much less activity in, in the uh, in the commerce department, and, and we were like, you know, we're getting bored, actually. And so uh, my daughter, like I said, you know, was born at that time, and we started to go into parties and starting to see all these, you know, craziness with the green cars and, and, and cars that were, you know, thrown away the very next day. So it was in one of those parties where I see, you know, you're, you're attending, we just received a visit from a company, a printing company, and you see those cars and things that start to, you know, uh, go around your head. And and uh, and so, yeah, I, I decided, I said, you know, there's got to be some more value. Got together with a psychologist, a friend of mine, and a sociologist, which is another um, uh, guy who I know from many, many years. And and they told me, you know, the value the value is in, in, the, in, the, in the signature, in the handwriting. Uh, but there's also a, a, a tradition component behind it. You know, there's, there's a tradition of going to the car and the effort of somebody going to the car and getting in and signing it. And that's the value of it. So, so, so wait, it's not just the thought that counts. You actually have to do something, is that what you're telling me? 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's why that's why we're um, you know people are, are, are you know walking to wish you as opposed to just sending a, a Facebook message because a Facebook message is just just says I remember. Yeah. Uh, but when you take the time to write something, to doodle something, and to attach a picture, need your voice, mm -hmm. then it becomes much more meaningful. And so, um, so yeah, uh, you know, I started to think, you know, what is the substitute value of something that is so rooted in tradition? Because it's going to take a while to to convert and to to have adoption in something like this. Mm -hmm. And and you know, what would it take? Uh, so you know. We started thinking about okay, what if instead of sending the car from me to you, which is a an e card, you know, uh, something that hasn't been successful because of you know the lack of value, uh, obviously from some something that is made up. Um, what if instead of that, I put together you know the dedications of of your twenty friends, or all your classmates, or maybe everybody who wants to say get well, uh, and that might be part of your network or yet or that might be people who are, don't even know you but they want to say you know uh get well and 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 donate and make a little donation mm -hmm. so we started thinking about putting together voices putting together uh dedications putting together gift contributions and putting together you know images mm -hmm. uh and so there was a lot of a lot of putting together <laughs> so we started piece by piece we were a small group uh, and we, so we started piece by piece and we started working with the voices first, then with the, with the signatures. It took a while. Uh, so to do that, if I remember right, when I talked and correct me if I'm wrong, by all means, you're not, don't have much of a technical background or programming or software background. So I get you, you had this idea, right. And you know, putting words in your mouth, but you had the idea, Hey, we're going to now look to make what it is or greeting cards that people like to send or thank you cards or whatever cards that are now make that over to digital. And first you learn from the industry, you know, e-cards don't work. If all you do is just send out an e-card and type a message in or have it automatically generated, doesn't have the, the heart and the, you know, doesn't have the touch and the feel it doesn't make, make people feel, you know, like it's, you're putting thought into it. And so then you say, okay, now we need to actually make that bring in that human nature back into a, on the electronic platform of, doodling or signing or making colors or drawings and pictures and video and whatnot, and maybe also give contributions. So you come up with that idea. So now how do you move into implementation? Because if you don't, you know, that seems to me a lot of software play, right? And a lot of platform, yeah. and a lot of programming that. So how do you start to make that transition to, Hey, I've got to find people that can build this for me. Yeah, no, that was, that was, that was a step, right? The step is okay. So, so from idea to go to something that, that is going to work. And, and something that can be finished and to make into a product that not only works, but it also fits, you know, the markets and the, and the taste of the people. So, you know, I started to look around and see, you know, who can advise me, who can, who can guide me on this, because I was like totally blind. Uh, and I, I didn't know anything about infrastructure, about, you know, frameworks, programming languages, nothing at all. Plus, this hadn't been done before. Mm -hmm. So if you put those things together, it's even more complicated because there was people talking about many different technologies that could work, but it wasn't able to judge those technologies. Uh, I wasn't able to say, okay, oh, well, this may make sense, but instead of going with, you know, React and Node, we're going to go with other different, you know, type of language uh, to make it work faster, to make it able to exchange between the backend and the frontend because 
we're going to need that. Mm. So there was a lot of trial and error. And the two first years, um, I was uh, advised by, by someone that it wasn't the right person in the right group. And so it was two years in the garbage, particularly. Uh, and so we developed. When we talked about that, you also had to make a pivot, right? So I think you mentioned that you originally kind of more did it in an app and it was on the phone and you thought, hey, that would be a great platform. But yeah. then, I won't steal too much of that. I know you can fill it in more. But if I remember right, you kind of said that was one where people downloading an app for just a single use and, you know, hard to get people to adopt or, hey, I want to send a card. I want to do a, a quick thank you. Now I got to download an app, figure it all out and do a one off. And then, we, you know, I'm not going to use the app for a while more. So that kind of also sounds like it was a pivot. Is that, is that recollection right? That's, that's exactly right. That's, that's, the, that's, the main, that's the main, one of the main uh, uh, problems that we, that we had was that, was to, to just set the basis wrong. And, and from when you say the basis is wrong, it doesn't matter what you do later on. If the basis are wrong, the basis are wrong. Mm. And the basis were um, made um, into 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 apps, into a, an Android and an iOS app, uh, because everybody was making up at the time, making apps and making apps was a, was a thing. And and a lot of people started, you know, were, were having and, and downloading every single thing just to try it. Mm. Uh, and so yeah, we decided to go with apps. And, and having people to download an app to make a card, but also download the app to sign the card. Uh, and so that didn't go well. It didn't go well because when we had the product ready and started to test, uh, even though the functionality was working perfect and, and it was, you know, very, very nice, well-built and, and, you know, experience and the flow was very good. The, 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 the fathers, the mothers, the, the teachers, everybody was saying, listen, I don't want to have to download. I love it because I love the, uh, the result. And it was for the teacher and we have to do it for the teacher and, and we'll do it. But it's a pain having to download an app, signing in, putting my, my email and everything else just to sign a card. I don't know when I'm going to sign a second card. I don't know if it's going to be in two months or in two years. So... Yeah. You know, one of the things we do very well and with you is we listen. And so uh, once we had that feedback from three different people, we made a small focus group. And sure enough, you know, 90% of the people said, you know, downloading an app is too much. It's too much of a hurdle. So we said, okay, so, so we're going to have to. I mean, because that, you know, without letting you jump too or quickly past it. So if you're that, because by that point, I think you said you've been in there, what, two plus years and developing and putting in the time and effort and everything else. So it wasn't just, you know, hey, we spent a month on this and we got to start over. It was a good amount of time, effort. Oh, yeah. You had the app going and everything else. So a couple of questions in there just to dive a bit deeper. So, you know, one is how did you get, and no offense by any means, man, but how did you get, you know, two years in and, you know, not realize that this was a problem? I mean, you know, was it a lack of, <laughs> hey, because... And, I, and I, I'll freely admit, I do the same thing. You start to drink your own Kool-Aid, right? You start to think, hey, this is awesome. Look at all the features we can do. Look at all the cool things we can do. And you think everybody will love it as much as you are. And one thing I've had to learn myself the hard way, so that's why I said I'm not picking on you because I've learned the exact same lesson, is sometimes you want a focus group. You want to go out and actually, you know, as much as I hate the term minimally viable product, and the reason I hate it is not because I don't get the idea behind it, because it always means it sounds like I'll put out the worst product as quickly as I can and hope people like it, which I never liked that idea. But it is almost that idea of let's get a product, focus group it, 
figure it out. So, you know, did you skip over that step? Did you not think about it or what kind of, where was the disconnect for the couple of years? I would, I would go into the, into, into, into dips with you to ask you, how would you make that focus group? Because I, I bet you, if you make that focus group, the first thing you would do would be to download the apps and have the phones ready. So that was much more fundamental step. The fundamental step wasn't the functionality, which is what 99% of the focus groups, you know, focus on is the flow. How do you do it? And that wasn't the problem. The problem was a much more fundamental problem. It was what type of platform and, and, and no, that's a very good point. I don't know that I would have, I would have probably done the same thing. You set up the focus group. You're saying, Hey, let's see how they like it. Let's test it out. We got all the phones ready now, you know, try it out. And you almost missed that step, which is probably we, the, the big step, but I would have probably done the same thing. Yeah, and we did it. And we did and we did focus groups as far as functionality goes. We did focus group and that's exactly what we did. And and uh, and and the people who we did it with, that was the first thing they did was to, okay, let's download the apps, have the phones ready, and then give them to the to the to whoever is gonna use it and then get that feedback. Mm. And we missed that fundamental step is what is the, the real platform plus at that time browsers were not as too you know so developed that they will offer a very nice um you know uh, a functionality as far as what we wanted so okay. you know we have to say also that that when you try chrome you know i'm talking about you know many years ago didn't have all that, you know, a functionality built in, uh, and they were much more. Um, they, they weren't behaving as 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 well when you use, for instance, you know, Chrome in an iPhone right now is is pretty much seamless. You know, you can use it, and, and they work perfectly. And back then, there was still a lot of protecting my platform, and so you had a lot of problems having to adapt the product to different uh, browsers. Um, would have been not that I thought about it and, and disguarded it because I'm not trying, you know, that was a big mistake. Mm. But um, but even if we had tried, there would have been a lot of a lot of problems trying to adapt something in a web application that will work across different different uh, browsers. So it sounds like part of it almost you dinged if you do dinged if you, in the sense that you know if you would have tried to do it on the web platform when you very first started, web wasn't far enough developed. It didn't have the functionality and yet you do the app and the app didn't work. So it was almost a matter of timing wasn't good. Timing wasn't on your side when you initially started. It wasn't until afterwards when you figured out that the app wasn't work, then the web website had caught up a bit more. Is that a fair, fair summary? Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly, that's exactly what happened. And, and, but of course, I mean, there was a lot of other things that we were developing at the same time, you know, in the back end and, and the voices and everything else. So it wasn't, it wasn't a complete waste of time. Mm. Uh, but, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's a fair, that's a fair assessment. Yeah. So I mean, and I'll quit peppering in questions, but I find it interesting. I'm going to ask one more. So when you're, when you got to the point and you're saying, okay, as much as we love the app, we think it's really cool. It has a lot of great functionality. And once they downloaded it, you know, everybody loves the type of thing, but you have the problem of getting them to download it. How did you decide, okay, we've got to pivot, we've got to change, we've got to do something different in order to react to the market? You know, kind of what, how did you make that decision? That was a hard one. That was a hard one. And that had to involve not only myself, but, you know, my family, my, you know, my, my, my investors and, and everybody else. You know, we have, to, we have to really sit down and say, this is what happened and, and what are we going to do about it? And so, 
you know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of wows and a lot of, you know, how can you do this? And, um, but yeah, you know, it was, it was a matter of going, you know, moving forward or just stopping and, and, and going back to, uh, you know, to a nine to five, uh, uh, work or, or doing something different and, and I wasn't I wasn't ready for that um, and I, I'm, I'm no quitter so um, I said you know we're gonna we're gonna do it and and we just to need to change the team uh, the team that we had was a team specialized in apps mm. uh, they're all over the world because I have developers I've had developers like in maybe probably 10 different countries but we had to find the right developing team uh, for the web app and so that was that took you know another two months of interviews and and flying and and uh, but finally we got you know a team that was able to to translate pretty much everything that we have on the apps uh, into you know a web app and that that will work and that gives you know customers and users a nice experience and yeah that was a that was a hard decision to make yeah no I can imagine I said that. Pivoting is never easy, and the farther you get into a product, the harder it is to pivot because you already have so much time, effort, resources, and everything else into it that the farther you get in, you, you, you try and talk yourself out of how can I adjust the product rather than pivot, right? So I, I, I fully appreciate that. So so now fast-forwarding till today, you made the pivot. It's now online. You do the web portal. How's it going? People like it. Worthwhile pivot. COVID's uh, killed it. How's it, you know, how's it going? You know, it's going very well. Um, um, you know, we've been uh, we've been so busy, um, especially since since COVID. Um, you know, my wife was was joking and said, you know, it took a global pandemic to get your product really appreciated. And I'm like, yeah. But uh, you know, the truth of the matter is that you know we're working with more than 400 schools that have done, you know, from graduation cars to birthday parties, to, I mean, birthday cars and class birthdays, uh, hospitals, uh, companies that now are much more um, um, decentralized and, and delocalized and, and they're working, you know, with wish you to celebrate, to, you know, thank you, to, you know, uh, uh, retirement cards, um, you know, Araboy cars for a, a, a job well done, of course, birthdays. And so it's, it's, it's super busy right now. We had to migrate because our servers weren't um, working 100% because we were, you know, prepared for, for, you know, a whole bunch of traffic, but not that much. And so we had to migrate these uh, last two weeks that we've been migrating servers mm. uh, to a much more, you know, a large uh, um serving in, in AWS and so it's quite busy. It's very busy. Today, this morning we had a, a conference with um, with a huge uh, organization uh, who wants to uh, implement with, with you for pretty much everything. They want to do a lot of different types of cards. Now, without even asking for it, we have people um, in platforms like Fiverr and some others who are want to sell our cards. So they say, you know, what if I want, if I buy cars from you and then I personalize them, can I sell them? I was like, yeah, you can sell them. Mm -hmm. You know, so, so there's a lot of things that we didn't anticipate and they're happening right now. People who are calling from, uh, you know, from, from India, from Pakistan. Yesterday was, no, day before yesterday on Monday, I don't know. There was a, a whole university in Pakistan that wanted to do like um, 
graduation cards for everybody, you know, from from now on, like every year, uh, because you know, families are everywhere nowadays, and everybody wants to have the signature of grandpa or grandma. Or, no, uh, and so and so, yeah, it's, it's it's super busy right now. We're very thankful, um, and and the feedback that we're getting is what keeps us going. I mean, the feedback you should see, you know, the type of feedback that we get is is really remarkable. No, I, I, that, that's awesome. That's, that's a cool story. So if I were to do now, say now we've done that, you've finally made your pivot, starting to go well. As you said, it took a pandemic for everybody to want to get in touch, use your product, which I think is a great pivot or, you know, don't want to profit off of the pandemic by any means, but I think no. it was a good way for people to understand what the importance of your product and what, how it could be used and how it could connect people. So now mm-hmm. you look at it, say next six months to a year, where do you guys go? What, where, what's the path you'll take? Well, we continue growing. Uh, this, uh, this, I don't, we don't see demand now getting back. I mean, now we have uh, hospitals implementing that as part of their, um, of their, you know, uh, cars for 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 patients, which is like a it's like a little meal that that works, you know, continuously, mm. and and we have you know um, a lot of those meals now uh, starting to work. Uh, schools that. The principal says, and I want to donate my birthday to the to the PTA, and so the principal makes a card, everybody signs, and everybody makes a little donation. And because on Wizu you can place um, a donation website or or a PayPal account, we don't get any commission from donations or anything. People get sent to the actual website where you know uh, uh, where donations are gathered of that particular school or PTA or PTL. So. Those things are becoming really popular. Uh, Teacher Appreciation Day has been huge. I mean, we've been we've been having teachers' cars like like you know, amazing. Um, and so and so yeah. I mean, we see continue working in the same way. Continue working with the schools, hospitals, companies, uh, and of course you know people like you and me who have kids. Mm-hmm. And and uh, yesterday was somebody who have. <laughs> Was like a kid animation company, something like that. You know, these people who come dressed in Frozen or whatever, and uh, and so you know they wanted to they wanted to celebrate, and uh, they, they they normally go to places like gymnasiums and, and places like that, or you know, particular homes, uh, individual homes, and they they were like, okay, we we have all this data from all these kids who you know we've been celebrating birthdays for three years mm. and we wanted to continue you know uh, doing that and and you invite people into that card so everybody who signs if you put your little logo or your contact information all these people get you know uh, uh, all of a sudden they know who you are so if you're the character and you are you know Elsa from Frozen and, and you make the card for this kid and you put, you know, contact me here if you need me. You know, 20 people are going to sign the car. They're going to keep it because if you sign it, you have access to it. Mm-hmm. And that's your, your business card right there. So that's another thing that we hadn't even thought about. <laughs> and somebody comes along and says, can I use it for this? And we're like, yeah, yeah, you can use it for that. That's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, okay. So this, this, you know, a lot of these things that come, you know, every day that we haven't even thought about and, and uh, and uh, it's very surprising. Well, that's cool. That's exciting. So, 
Well, we're hitting towards the end of the podcast, and there's always more things that I want to hit on than ever enough time to do it, unfortunately. So maybe we'll have to have you back on. But I always have my uh, two questions I ask towards the end of the podcast. So we'll kind of jump to that part of the podcast now. So and maybe we've already touched on them a little bit as we've talked throughout. But the first question I always ask is, what was the, the worst business decision you ever made? The worst business decision I ever made was probably to assume that that because I didn't know technology, mm. the people who knew technology at that time were also good enough to to interpret the business dynamics around that technology. Mm. So uh, it's one thing to know technology very well, but you have to know your customer and your user, and to have that avatar really well-defined if you really, really want to make a product that fits. And because the new technology didn't, uh, that app that we were talking before and that uh, that part of, of selecting something that was not in tune to the needs of the consumer, that was my, my biggest mistake. And so um, technology is technology. It doesn't mean that the people who know technology are the best ones to advise you or to advise anyone in, in business decisions. No, I think mean, that's a Because a lot of I work with in, in different businesses I, I do, and I mentioned Cyril, I'm, you know, do run and co-founded several businesses. I think you're absolutely right. You have some people that are great technologists. I mean, they can code great. They can make great products, but it doesn't mean that they're doing it based on what you instruct them to do, right? Meaning if, if you tell them, hey, I want this and this and this, they'll make a great job of it. It doesn't mean that they're the ones that are going to tell you this is how you should do or they shouldn't be telling you either way. This is how you should do it or this is what's going to work in the marketplace or this is what customers are going to like or anything else. I think sometimes, there's a much different skill set. I agree 100%. And sometimes it's even, it's even, it goes beyond because sometimes for them, a type of technology for them might be more easy to code, easier to code or easy to work with. And so, but that has a lot of business impact. So I, I give you an example, you know, that in WizU, when you make a, a, a dedication or sign a card, you can animate it. So, mm -hmm. you know, when you click it, the animation comes and then you see that person, how that person signed. So that is a technology that is contrary to a static image. So we had a whole discussion, I remember like uh, three years ago about what to use. Should we use this or that? And for my developers, it was much easier to work with the static images. It's much more standard. We have all the technology over there, but at that point, I already had had had, had my had made my my big mistake. So I said, no, no, we're gonna do it this way because this is an, an added value to the card. And if we have to work a little harder or some find somebody who is an expert on, on this you know type of technology, we'll do it. Uh, and so yeah, I totally agree with you that that um, that that you have to. You have to keep them, you know, separate. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now I'm going to jump to my second question. So second question is, so somebody that's just wanting to get in, started in the startup, just get going or just barely started their startup, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Uh, choose your advice. Uh, do your due diligence when it comes to advice. I mean, due diligence can be applied to everything. It can be applied to uh, every aspect of your business, but when it comes to advice, that's where it's more and more important. So, you know, the same way you go to a doctor and he's a doctor and, and it amazes you about his knowledge and, and everything else. 
Uh, and then if it's something serious, you go to a second doctor or even a third. Mm. Uh, this is the most serious thing probably that you're going to do in a few years. Uh, so don't go to only one doctor. Go to several doctors and listen. And listen and put together that. And that is the best. I mean, this is not anything new. We've heard this, you know, many, many times in, in other places. But that is something that you cannot escape. Um, I, I, and I, then after, yeah. And then after that, you know, have a have a communication is key. Uh, so get people who they can really communicate with. Uh, bar- language cannot be a barrier because you know then there's a lot of interpretation. And and um, I develop a whole system on Drive to communicate with my developers, and it's very graphic, mm. and, it, and it has a lot of arrows that come back and forth, and and little tags here and there. So, you know, when you have, even when you have people who are native speakers or, or bilingual, make sure that you communicate with graphically. And anything you want them to do, explain it, but then, you know, put a graphic to it and, and, and say, you know, this is the way I want it. And do your little doodles or whatever it is. But that saves a ton of money. Mm. Yeah. So if I were to summarize almost, and one is, Get a second opinion or a third opinion or a fourth opinion, or but don't just take the first opinion that you get, especially if it's something critical to your business. Make sure that you educate yourself or at least have a good enough foundation within make, to make a decision as to what will be best for your business. And then two is to communicate graphically. Make sure that communication is not a barrier and that people are well understood and you communicate things well so that then they can execute on it, which I think are both great pieces of advice. Well, if I were to do it, so people want, so as we reach the end, want to make sure that they know how to reach out to you, whether it's they want to use your product, they want to be part of your company, they want to invest in your company, they want to just uh, reach out to you for whatever reason, what's the best way to connect up with you? Best way would be Ignacio at wishyou.com, wishyou as wish, and then yoo.com, um, and uh, you know, that's my email, that's the easiest way. All right, perfect. We'll make sure to direct everybody your way. I think your product sounds like a really cool one. I can certainly see why it uh, can make a difference, both on carbon footprint as well as uh, connecting everybody up. So uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been fun to talk through your journey. Um, for everybody else that's a listener, want to invite you to uh, certainly subscribe to our podcast. If you're listening, you can hit the subscribe button on any of the platforms. And if you want to be an, uh, a guest on the podcast, just go to inventivejourney.com. Apply to be a guest on the podcast. And if you're needing any help with any patents or trademarks, certainly feel free to reach out to us. We always want to make sure to take care of startups and small businesses. So thank you again for coming on, Ignacio. It's been really fun to talk through your journey. And I wish you the uh, success on, uh, for the, your future journey. Thank you very much, Devin. Thank you for having me on.